Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, December 16th, 2018 called, What Child Is This? Our Source of Joy. The highlighted verses for today's sermon comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 43 and 44. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. When you picture Jesus in your mind, I'm curious what you picture, what your image is. Maybe you've seen a painting, or maybe when you're reading a story in the New Testament, it might evoke some image. I I mentioned some here, you know, Jesus and the children, or, you know, maybe it's Jesus as a young boy, maybe it's Jesus on the cross. I don't know, but let's look at some images, if we could, Pam. This This is actually an image, very, very famous We had Father Constantine here last Wednesday from the Greek Orthodox Church, and we'll have to debrief sometime some of the stuff that he talked about. We'll have to just chat about it sometime. But it was a delight, because that's really our mother. Um, You know, the Greek, that Greek Orthodox Church is really the mother of all current Christianity. I mean, that's the source out of which we arise. But this image is from a church called the Hagia Sophia. It is now uh, in Muslim hands but it was the largest Christian church um, ever built. Gabe has been there, took a picture of it for me, and it's a beautiful thing. It's the pride and joy of my office. I have two pictures of Jesus that I would say are my pride and joy. One of them is painted by Richard Hook, and if you ever are looking for a painting, that's a name to look up, Richard Hook, because he paints a very normal Jesus, very normal. But one is Western, and this is Eastern. And so that's all in mosaic. And I, I, I brightened it up a little bit because this was a picture of it when it was first uncovered. And Gabe can tell you the story better, but when it was taken over by Muslims, they defaced it. You know, they would use, and they cut, there's, a, there's a line across Jesus' lips and eyes, and they would cut the eyes out of these icons and so forth. And then they plastered over it. Well, little did they know, plastering over it preserved them perfectly. So now, centuries and centuries later, we have these beautiful pieces of artwork. So anyway, but my point is, when you look at Jesus, what's his expression? Sad, Sad, right? It's clearly a frown, is how it's depicted here. And then the next picture, Pam, if you would, this is a very famous, very classic Italian artist, Jesus, obviously in his passion. I mean, he has a crown of thorns. And in that one, what would you say? The emotion or in maybe in distress, pain, lonely. There's a number of things. Sorrow. Um, And what's the next one? Last one on this little thing. And then this is from the Passion of the Christ. Jim Caviezel, you know, portrays Jesus in that. And this is my most common kind of idea of Jesus. And is he's kind of fairly uh, stoic, fairly somber. My point is, go to the next one. This is not the common portrayal of Jesus, where you see his teeth. <laughs> right? I mean, that's an, a less than common portrayal. Or the final one, this is a, almost, have you ever seen this? This was done in the 60s, so it's kind of a hippie thing. But, but seriously, it's become, I love it. I love it. It's, uh, it's kind of iconic to, also. 
it's become a very, um, of the, it's called the laughing Jesus. Um, and you know, it's interesting. People will say, well, from Scripture itself, we have no examples of Jesus laughing. We have examples from some other Gnostic writings, heresy, her- heretical writings, but they included some things. But, from Je- but then I will say, well, wait, let's think about that for a minute. Think about Jesus is the one who welcomes children to himself and people were bringing children to him. We have an example of Jesus taking a little one and setting him up on a, and say, and using him as an object lesson. And you know, you, it's hard to imagine if Jesus is like, yeah, little kids, come here. They <laughs> got some, you know, whatever. I mean, that, you can't imagine that, right? It has to be something like, right, like this. You know, smile and come on. And they, you know, one of my great joys of being a pastor in a Lutheran school, and that's been in various places in the country, is I, I'm, Mrs. Bope knows this. The preschoolers terrify me <laughs> for chapel, for chapel. Because my wife always goes, she just rolls her eyes, goes, you, ju- you just talk right over their head. So, um, but this, they don't care. They don't care. I come here, I sit here, you're like draped with them. They just drape themselves on you, and they give, I walk through the school, they, they come out of their classroom and give me hugs, and I just, oh man, and then they don't see me sobbing down the hallway, <laughs> you know. So, I can't imagine Jesus not, or here's another one, Jesus gets on John's disciples and the Pharisees, because the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, how come your disciples are, aren't in mourning, right? They should be in mourning, the Romans are, are doing this, and and the Messiah is not here, and they should be somber. They should be here. And, uh, and John's disciples, too, even kind of confront Jesus on this. He should be somber. And Jesus goes, what? What are you talking about? The bridegroom's here. You party when the bridegroom is here. That's his response. They should not be in mourning. They should be celebrating. Or, I like this one, too. You know the lost, remember the lost and found parables in Luke 15? Lost, coin, lost sheep lost coin, and then the prodigal son, the lost son. Remember what it says at the end of each one of those? There is more joy in heaven, more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. Who do you think is leading the cheers? Jesus Christ, the one who saved them and brought them home, right? The one who took the sheep and put it over his shoulders and walked it home. The one, the father who ran to his son when he saw him coming home from the pigsty and enveloped him in his arms. And so I, don't, I think it would be silly to imagine that this is not an accurate portrayal. And so that's why I want to talk to you about this, because the season of Advent, seriously, is supposed to be a season of repentance, humility, and preparation. And so I am always so thankful that we get a pink candle in the midst of it, because it's the joy candle. It's the reminder that we should have joy. Let me tell you the causes of joy. Let me tell you the reasons to have joy, and there's four of them, from these readings that we have. And I'm going to tell you about two things. One involves King David, and they finally got the Ark of the Covenant back from their enemies, the Philistines. They finally got the Ark of the Covenant. It's this great scene where David, kind of half naked, is running around dancing with wild abandon with joy in front of the Ark that God gave him that victory and that he could bring the Ark home. And then you have this other scene of Mary and Elizabeth. Isn't it awesome? Here's him, right? Mary is coming from the north, from Galilee. 
uh, Elizabeth's in the south, up out near Jerusalem, and she, their cousins. Mary's much old. Uh, Elizabeth's much older than Mary, and Elizabeth's six months pregnant. She wasn't supposed to get pregnant. She's too old. And when Mary shows up, all of a sudden it's like kaboom! Whoa, what's going on? And she gets quite a kick. And she says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, my son recognized his Savior. Wow. And, and then her words, you know, why am I so highly favored that I should greet the mother of my Lord? So that's the context for joy. And out of those passages, I want to give you four causes for joy. Now, I'm going to stop for a second, and I want to be just very honest with you. The last month has been hard. There's a month that doesn't go by in this church where there is not heartache and hurt and where people are not experiencing great hurt and heart, heartache. And their hearts are weighed down and they have experienced loss and brokenness. Please, please don't read that I don't know that or that I'm not aware of it or sensitive to it because our hearts break with you We've done some things just in the last days. Um, but I, to be honest, I'm so delighted to have seen them done with some joy in the midst of circumstances which are very, very hard. So please don't misread me. If you are struggling with certain hurts, I get it. And this season of Advent is made for you. But on this day, I want you to remember these words because the most significant of all the passages about our Savior having joy is this. Hebrews chapter 12. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the heartbeat of Jesus Christ. Trust me, who would describe the cross as a joy? Who could describe it as joy except Jesus Christ who knew what it would accomplish in you? So if you're hurting, please don't hear this as me being flippant or glib or insensitive. I'm reminded when my father passed away, and that's now been, he'd have been 100 years old about three weeks ago, so that was seven years ago now. And my brothers and I got together, and I had been my dad's caregiver for the last 10 years of his life. And um, my brothers and I, and we had visited, and we were greeting people, and the congregation here, you all were so kind and gracious to us. But I think we may have, I don't know if we offended some people or not, because when we came in for the service, my brothers and I and our wives, we were just laughing, kind of high-fiving. <laughs> and, and it wasn't because, oh, thank God that guy's dead. No, we were like, we were like, what a victory. A man who was in his body broken and hurting, and he's whole. And you know, for some people, I may have been offended by that, and I do feel badly. And we weren't being flippant, but boy, we were celebrating. So please understand me. I, I, I didn't mean to take all that much time to do that, but I want you to know I'm sensitive to it. But let me tell you, what dispels the despair and sends Satan fleeing is to laugh in his face sometimes. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, where's your victory, death? 
Where's your staying death? You got nothing because my Savior is risen from the dead. So that's, what, that's how I'm going after this today. Four causes for joy. The first one is when you know your enemies are defeated. So I've seen two ticker tape parades in my lifetime. Who knows what a ticker tape parade is? Are you familiar with that? You've got to be a certain age because they've outlawed them because, you know, it kills pigeons and it's environmentally uncomfortable. It's bad for the environment. But I was eight and then nine. Two great events. One of them was in 1969, in July of 1969, a uh, man walked on the moon. And I, my dad had an he worked in an office that was in Park Avenue South on the parade route. So he brought me in. And I got to see those Apollo ast astronauts on a ticker tape parade down Park Avenue South. It was awesome. But it, it was nothing compared to the second ticker tape parade I went to several months later. Went, shut up. When I was just turned nine, when I just turned nine, and the Mets won the World Series. <laughs> well, yeah, I was nine, right? Neil Armstrong, who cares? Tommy Agee? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, ticker tape parades. But you know what's cool about that? One of the sources of joy is when your enemies are defeated. Now, let me use the Mets example because it's a dumber one. But, you know, the Mets had been absolutely just laugh jokes, horrible in their first years of existence, seven years of existence, horrible. They had lost 102 games, I think it was, the year before. And they were, in fact, their manager used to say, can anybody play this game around here? I mean, that's how bad they were. Um, and then all of a sudden, and, you know, it's no fun to get ridiculed everywhere you go. It's no fun to get insulted and mocked everywhere you go. I would venture to say more than one of us in here has experienced that in their lifetime. Where people are talking behind your back and they are discrediting who you are and what you're about. That is no fun. That's an enemy. And that is a joy stealer. And it's one of the great things that I think grieves God is when we allow other voices than his to tell us what our worth and our value is. And to tell us that we are worthless. When God himself has said, I went to the cross to prove to you how valuable you are. He is longing for that to be our source of joy. So when our enemies are defeated, in the text that we have, think about it. The Philistines, that's David and Goliath, right? Remember that? Goliath was a Philistine. They worshipped a fish god called Dagon. They were pagans. They, were, they occupied, they controlled all the iron and the weapons and the plains of Judah. The Israelites were stuck in little corners here and there. Saul could never defeat him because he was not faithful to God's leadership. David was more faithful to God's leadership, a man after God's own heart, and God gave him a victory. Here's how he got the victory of getting the Ark of the Covenant. Remember that? Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? So the Philistines captured it, and they thought, this is cool. Just like the Nazis, we're going to make use out of this weapon. By the way, you know that's not true, right? That's a fictional movie. Okay, I'm just using it as an example. So they thought, we'll capture the Ark and we'll use it as a weapon. Well, the Philistines captured the Ark, and then every town it was in, people start dying. And so they'd move it. Hey, we don't want it. You guys take it. So the next town would take it, and they'd start dying. They'd put it in the next one. That town would die. Finally, David's like, can we have it back? Yes, please. Right? So David actually wins a victory, a military victory, 
and recaptures the ark. And he is so filled with joy. And this is the point, because please know this. God takes no delight in the death of the wicked. Scripture clearly says that. Jesus himself, pray for our enemies. Pray for those. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. We're under command. But when an enemy is constantly fighting you to steal your life, the love which God has, and the victory which we have in Christ, when people are actively seeking to harm, when they are defeated, it is a cause for joy. Whether it's a ticker tape parade at the end of World War II, or it's conquering the fears of the Cold War, or of a horrible baseball team. Your enemies are defeated. It's a cause for victory and celebration. It's a cause of joy. Your greatest enemies have been defeated. I want you to hear that. Your greatest enemies have been defeated. Sin and death have been defeated in the victory and cross of Christ. Mary too. Mary and Elizabeth. I imagine that Mary left Galilee to go visit her cousin because the rumors and the gossip got to be too much. Because here's Mary pregnant with no husband. And you think they're buying that story of hers? And so our guess is that she went there to be safe. And so Mary in her song called the Magnificat does a beautiful job, doesn't she, of saying, Lord, the mighty are brought down low and the lowly are brought up. Her enemy, and let me tell you, now this is for us, because you know the hurting people in our community, people without food, without home, the homeless and the hurting and the broken, those struggling with mental illness and depression, you know what the biggest issue in this town is? It's not resources, it's that these folks are invisible. And because they're invisible, they're not on our radar as we would like them to be or should be. Because I find that for Christian people, when we know, we act. And so our prayer is to make these folks visible. And that's Mary's prayer. You have raised up the lowly. We who were never noticed before, you have noticed. And so our enemies are defeated. Second thing, I'll go quicker now. I promise. Um, I love this one, second one. So this victory with the Ark of the Covenant... David could not achieve it on his own. The jo Joshua couldn't do it. The judges couldn't do it. The Philistines, right, captured it from him. King Saul couldn't do it. David was able to do it. Why? Because God inflicted harm upon his enemies. It wasn't David accomplishing his great victory by himself, but rather God miraculously provided. So it was a victory for which David could not take the credit. Secondly, Elizabeth and Mary both have babies. Elizabeth in particular, this older woman who is well past childbearing age, becomes pregnant. And the angel says to her, to Zechariah, um, says, the angel says to Mary, Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. The second grace cause of joy is when we have victories for which we cannot take the credit. Now that may sound odd. I credit, I tell you what, I tell people about the ministry God has blessed us with here at Grace in Pocatello. I'm, this is not bragging. I am just telling you something you should know. In Southeast Idaho, in this community here of this size, this is the largest ministry of, this, of our denomination, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, for four states. 
other than Concordia University in Portland, the university, this is the next largest ministry in terms of people served, budget, grounds, buildings. It's, it's in southeast Idaho. There's nothing in Seattle or Portland or Anchorage or Boise or Spokane. You have to go to Las Vegas and Denver and Southern California before you find a ministry that does what God has given us to do. Who gets the credit for that? Jesus Christ. When we did that high school, I said over and over, I only want to do this project if this is a project for which God alone can receive the credit. And I'm telling you, in this church, in southeast Idaho, think of our population. People have donated to us over $2.5 million to make that ministry a reality. Not only to talk about the ministry of the church, this is not bragging. What I'm telling you is, you can't wipe the stupid smile off my face. It's so great to be in ministry in this place. Are there heartaches and hurts? Oh my. Sometimes it's, uh, sometimes it's hard. Uh, but that's why God made us here. So that God could receive the credit. You see, if we do those things for which we planned and we just lived out step by step, then who gets the credit? We do. Oh, we made a great plan and we lived it out. And so these are the things for which God gives credit. And in your heart and in your life, if your heart has been changed because of what Christ has done, and you know your history, you know your past, you look in the mirror and we're honest and transparent, and you say, this is one that even God has loved and even God has redeemed. That is something for which none of us can take the credit. That's a cause of joy. Third thing. Um, I, we were having a debate about this, about who uses this uh, word hu huge. It's going to be huge. Okay? I can't remember if it was Trump or Bernie Sanders. I was corrected by four people several different ways. Anyway, it's going to be huge, right? And so you always kind of roll your eyes and do that kind of thing. But here's the third cause of joy when the outcome is huge. A couple weeks ago, I talked about King Hezekiah who the prophet Isaiah came to him and he said, hey, bad things are going to happen. The temple's going to be destroyed and the kingdom's going to be lost. And that they said to him, but in your lifetime, everything's going to be fine. And you know Hezekiah's, Hezekiah's response? Okay, cool. As long as in my lifetime, it's good. That is an abdication of leadership. Because leadership should seek to be acts of sacrifice so that the legacy in the next generation can be safe and blessed. It's not an I got mine mentality. And the I got mine mentality lives all over the place. And in Pocatello, pretty hard. As long as I got mine, don't put that sucker in my backyard. I mean, that's, that's a common, common mentality. And we're all tempted by it. I mean, we're all tempted by it. But this is the thing, when the outcome is huge, when it's far, far beyond just me being saved. I love to tell this to congregations. Look, you know, sometimes like if you're walking out and you're a longtime member here and I ignore you and I go talk to someone else, I'm asking you for your forgiveness in advance because you are already in. I know where you're going. But that person I don't know, I want them to know the love of Jesus Christ and so I'm going to talk to them. And so if you're offended by that, please forgive me. I will talk to you the next time I get a chance. But you got to know what's driving, what's driving the joint. 
And so that's the idea. When the impact goes far beyond ourselves. With David, it impacted the entire nation. With the, within Mary, nothing greater could be impacted. The very Son of God, who will rule on the throne of his, David, of his father David forever. The impact is huge. And when God gives us a, part, a chance to be part of something like that, man, if that don't turn your crank, then nothing will. Why do you think we, I love Easter, Christmas Eve? The impact is huge. Because you have an opportunity to plant a seed and to do something with people you may only see a couple times a year. And if we can bless them with the love of Christ and that seed, can, it could, the impact could be mind-boggling. And so we pray for that always. Last thing. So when the source of joy is fully present. So it's, I'm sorry that I'm going so long. I'm a little long today. So Mirabelle, you know, I remember when you were pregnant, Patty. And now we had Stephanie Kolbaum in the first service. She's really pregnant. And, uh, and, I, and I, you know what? It's so cool because uh, I'm always praying for these babies to come. And of course, to come safely and all. But I got to have baby Jesuses for Christmas Eve right? So I'm always on the hunt, you know? So um, I w- it, was, it was funny. So uh, Katie Grant, Katie and Mike had their little baby. Katie uh, Piper's is like little mini me version of Katie. So like, it looks like her exactly. So anyway, I'm so glad, but there is a huge difference, isn't there, between pregnancy and the birth? Huge difference. Pregnancy is great from the moment that you know you're having a baby and you share that with your friends and everybody swarms on you and they congratulate you and they're high-fiving you and they're loving you and you're going to the dock and you're getting ultrasounds and pictures and you're walking on that journey together. Completely different once the baby's born. Completely different. And I love this because this is the story of Advent and Christmas. Advent is the pregnancy. Christmas is the birth. And our joy is made complete when that joy has hands and feet and arms and legs and actually walks into our hearts and lives in our arms. And that's the Savior that we have in Jesus. And that's our cause for joy. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks that you see us, you hear our cries, you know our hurts, you know our circumstances, and in spite of it, You long to bring us joy, the joy that comes out of the cross. And we thank you, Lord, for your vision and for your love, and that you yourself, not as a symbol, not as an idea, but with hands and feet and arms and legs, strode into this darkened world and redeemed us and loved us and gave us reason to rejoice. We praise you, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey everyone, just a few things to stick on your calendar. The first one is Advent service this Wednesday at 7 p.m. December 19th. We are having Holden Evening Prayer and Christmas Dramas performed by Grace Lutheran High School students. So make sure to come. It is our last Advent service of the year. And on December 24th, Christmas Eve, we are having three services. One at 5 p.m., one at 7 p.m., and the last one at 11 p.m. All three will have candlelight. Um, At the five and seven services, there will be a live nativity and Holy Communion will be at the 11 o'clock service. If you have any questions about the services coming up and available, they're on our website at www.gracepopatello.org.